Good evening, and a warm welcome to the service this evening. Ian will lead us in prayer in Gaelic. Ruta <laughs> 
is hat ja noch wie gar kütchen ich ne kein gesorgt jetzt you like so noch in ein fashkorn ich nach er kriest mal wanier ich ist schon gar nicht über kopper ich ne gar nicht bitte spirit of closet trona skieren ich ist trona nilen ich ist kumpi ich hat sie nach gön kriest de fenchen kokukoloch ich so kunnisch doch so hart ich ist kumpi hat mochel nach el mora nunja akne dakal hanne plian ich entschieden ge ruis schachet Als je nu gewoon niet levert, dan kun je nu lukken die er zaalt en een kriast. Dus kun je nu maar gaan al. Drie pelagen is duurig, kan je nu weer jenef. Na zorgen niet jenef. Toen jullie eerst gegeven, moet kriast. Dus men er een jegeef. Kun je nu nog maar nu dat je nu jevig dagkloos. Nu dat je nu vijf in retiksje is gelukt gezien. Je mag eens een jaar nu zonder je hakken je zo. Ik kan bij het hoofd maken en schijnen, als je naar de kinderen gaat lachen, je schaakriest. Amen. Amen. If you could turn now, please, in your Bible to Genesis chapter 17. As we continue through the life of Abram, Abraham. And we left Abram at the end of chapter 16. Uh, he's 86 years old. And uh, now at the beginning of uh, chapter 17. Uh, we read at verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give you I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, 
and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with them as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Amen, and may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's pray again as we come back to God's word. Lord God, we pray as we've sung that you would show us your ways, that you would teach us your paths. Lord, that you would lead us in the truth, that uh, you, Holy Spirit, would be our, our teacher this evening. And we thank you for the salvation that was promised in the Psalms, promised through the prophets, and was delivered through Jesus. We thank you that what Abraham looked forward to uh, as a, a promise that was well in the future, we are able to look back on uh, this evening and see that you are the God who makes good on all your promises. We thank you that salvation uh, was given in and through Jesus. And we are promised that all who look in faith to him, all who wait upon the Lord, uh, shall be saved, shall renew their strength and have a life uh, that is everlasting. So help us, we pray, to be uh, looking in faith to Jesus. Help us, we pray, to be uh, trusting in you. We ask, Lord, again, that you would be near to those who are in need this evening. We thank you again for the fact that we can carry to you uh, those that we care for in prayer. We continue to remember Neil Cameron. We, we trust he's back home now, and we ask, Lord, for your hand to be upon him, that he would be strengthened and protected in his recovery. We pray on for Dalalak and Stornoway in the hospice, and we pray, thankful for the fact that he is comfortable, and we ask that uh, you would continue to uphold him and the family, that uh, they would know a sense of your presence and your peace. Uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, you would fill that room with your Holy Spirit, and we ask, Lord, uh, that Dalalak would continue uh, to be comfortable and that he would know that you are God and that you are with him uh, in these in these times as he comes towards the end of life. And we pray that you would be with Mags, his father Alistair, as well as he was taken to hospital uh, this afternoon. We pray that the pain that he is struggling with in his legs would, would ease. We pray that you would enable him to get the, the scans and the, the tests and the treatment that he that he needs. And we ask, Lord, uh, that uh, you would give skill to all those who care for him. We thank you that we come with our prayers to the one who is the great physician, the Lord Jesus. And we pray for those who are struggling, asking that they would know uh, your touch upon their lives. We pray on for those who, who grieve, especially on this day, uh, with all that we have remembered, uh, those who have 
given our lives in past generations for the freedom that we enjoy today. And we continue to pray for those who have these scars of war, those who have these memories that haunt them. And we pray for those who uh, are in active service at this time still. Uh, we are conscious that in this world there is always degrees of trouble. And for those who are in the armed forces of different kinds, we pray, Lord, that you would be near to them, that you would protect them. We pray for chaplains who seek to reach out with the gospel message, and we ask that you would give them courage, uh, that they would speak the truth about Jesus to those who are perhaps much more aware than we are of the fragile nature of life. So we pray for those who continue to, to serve and uh, those who have been affected uh, by the conflicts of more recent years. Lord, we pray that uh, you would be near to them as we think of them. We think of those even in our congregation uh, who, who struggle uh, because of the, the wounds and the, uh, the, the difficulties that they've encountered in, in times of conflict. And we ask that uh, you would bless them, Lord, uh, that you would uh, give them that sense of your presence. So hear our prayers. Uh, continue with us in this evening and uh, bless us as we look to you. Take away our sin, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could turn to Genesis chapter 17 and we'll uh, look at this uh, chapter uh, this evening. If you're a young person, it's getting to that time of the year now where uh, patience is required because we're, you know, we're now we're now halfway through November, and so we're approaching the month of December, and uh, it's getting close to Christmas. I don't know what the day count is. Is anybody counting the days? Miriam, are you counting the days? No, no. Well, oh, Lois is. Is she? That's encouraging. How many? 40 days, 40 days till Christmas. 40 is the number of testing and trials in the Bible. But um, it is getting close to Christmas and we don't see that so much here, thankfully. But if you take a, a tour to the mainland and you walk into any shop, uh, there's decorations and there's Christmas songs going constantly and there's all kinds of reminders that Christmas is coming, the the, the markets, Christmas markets are trading, the lights will soon be on. And for a young person, my memory uh, was that uh, Christmas seemed to take ages to come. You know, the month of December just seemed to take an eternity to pass. Every day felt like a month because uh, you, you were waiting for Christmas. And so you need to have patience as uh, you wait. And as we get back to, to Genesis, and we're in chapter 17 tonight, and as we look at the life of Abraham, uh, what we can see here is that he, he needed patience. Because for, for some time now, he's been waiting uh, for the Lord. And that's the first point that I have this evening. The first point is uh, waiting for the Lord. I've got six points tonight but um, we'll just go as far as we can uh, until 7 o'clock. We'll see how we go. First point, then, is waiting for the Lord. Now, if you were to rewind from uh, Genesis 17 to Genesis chapter 12, where we began this kind of section in this series, 
Uh, we see in Genesis 12 and verse 1 that the Lord, he reveals himself to Abram and he makes a promise to Abram and he says in chapter 12, verse 1, I will make of you a great nation. So that's the promise that Abram heard uh, at that point in his life. Now, Abram was 75 years old when God revealed himself to him and made that promise to him. And Abram, he had no children. And so the promise, thrilling as it was, it seemed very, real, very unrealistic. Fast forward then from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, and we can see that 11 years have passed. Abram is now 86 years old, and still Abram and Sarai together, uh, they have no children. But God, in that section there in Genesis uh, 15 into 16, he reassures him of this promise, I will make of you a great nation. Seemed even more unrealistic. And now in Genesis 17, Abram is 99 years old and still he has no children to Sarai. Sarah is now 90 years old and then the Lord appears to Abram. When Abram, verse 1, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. And this is the first time for the, the language experts, and I'm not one of them, but this is the first time that uh, this name is used for God. It's the name El Shaddai, which, uh, means, which means the all-powerful, uh, the all-sufficient God. And, and the Lord, he, he meets with Abram at this point. He tells Abram his name. And as he tells him his name, he's teaching him about his character. So Wearsby, the commentator, says El Shaddai is the name of the all-powerful and all-sufficient God who can do anything and meet any need. And so the encouragement for Abram at this point, 99 years old, holding on to a promise, still no children, the encouragement that Abram receives as God meets with him is, uh, is that he's simply to wait upon him. The years are passing. But God says to him, as he reveals his name to him, I can do this. I'm able to do, to do anything. So hold on to the promise. But the trouble with waiting is it's, it's, never, it's never easy. And as we've seen already, Abram and Sarah, they've been waiting uh, for a long time. Uh, they've taken hold of this promise by faith. It's, it's given them great delight to hear this promise spoken to them from God. But as the years pass, faith comes under attack. There's strain put on faith. I mean, think about a rope. Think about faith like a, like a rope. Uh, and, and as the years pass, you could say uh, this rope that attaches Abraham and Sarah to the promise, it's been stretched with the passing of time. There's tension on this line. And at times it looks like it's, it's going to snap. But as the Lord helps them, as the Lord reminds them of who he is and what he can do, they are given the faith to keep on holding on. They keep on waiting for the Lord. And we know, because we know how this story continues, we know that in the Lord's time, he will fulfill his word. He will make good on his promise. And Abram will have a son. And that son uh, will lead to there being ultimately a, a multitude of nations, a people, Israel. And even if we were to uh, widen the angle of this a little more and think about Israel as a people, 
uh, they too, they'll need patience. God's people always need patience. Because remember Israel, uh, who were so often under attack and so often struggling, they are promised a saviour. One who would come and and save them from their sin. One who would be a light that would overcome the darkness. Uh, One who would be the redeemer who would would feed them eternally. Uh, And Israel, this nation, they have to wait uh, for, for years and decades and centuries. Holding on to this promise of a Messiah. Until eventually Jesus is born. The promised Messiah. The promised Savior. So one of the things that we need to know. Uh, as we follow the Lord, is, is that we need patience. If you're somebody who is hearing the call to trust Jesus, and you're thinking about how you respond to that, one thing that you and I need to know is that we will, re- we will be required to have patience. We will have to wait upon the Lord. We will have to hold on to his promises. Sometimes when it seems very dark, and when it seems unrealistic that God will do what he's promised to do but still we are to hold on to these promises keep on keeping on maybe some of us have have received promises uh, in the past about the the salvation of someone that we love we believe the Lord has given us a word that they'll be saved and we're praying for their salvation and the years pass and the decades pass and we wonder is anything happening but the calling uh, and the encouragement from passages like this is to, is to keep on keeping on. Keep on praying. Keep on believing that the Lord will do what he has promised. Think about these years uh, that, that are uh, not notable, you could say, in the life of, of Abram. Because we have this period, uh, as we look through these, these chapters, uh, from age 75 to 86. What happened in these years? We know nothing. And then we know that the Lord appears to Abram at age 86. And there's that reassurance of the promise. And then from age 86 to age 99, what happened? We know nothing. And probably the reason that we know nothing about these years is because nothing very notable was happening. Abram was going out. He was feeding his sheep. He was caring for his animals. He was attending to business. He was dealing with all the pressures of of family life and managing the household. He was just doing normal things. Unremarkable things. No great drama. But he's trusting the Lord still. That in his time, he will fulfill his word. And that's the way life will will, will often be with us. There'll be many uh, normal years. There'll be years that pass in our lives, even in the life of a church as a congregation, and there may not seem to be any great drama, any great sense of movement, any any great evidences of, of there being awakenings and conversions and revivals. There can be seasons where it looks like nothing much is happening, that God is, is not at work, but the truth is that he's always at work, even when we can't see any sign of him at work. And in these times where there's no great drama, nothing particularly notable, our calling is to wait upon the Lord, to keep on believing in El Shaddai, the God who is all-powerful, all-sufficient, who can do far more than we can ask or even think. So the first point as we look in the life of Abram uh, tonight is he's waiting for the Lord. The second point we can note here is that Abram is walking with the Lord. 
And the Lord says to Abraham, still in verse 1, Walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. And not sinless. None of us uh, in this world other than Jesus uh, were sinless. But our calling is to walk before God and be blameless. And that expression, uh, walking with God, it's a recurring expression in the Bible. If you were to go back to the beginning of Genesis, uh, Genesis 3, uh, we see Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. What are they doing? They're walking with the Lord. They're enjoying fellowship with God. They're living before God. Uh, Genesis 5, uh, we have this description of, of Enoch who walked with God. Genesis 6, we're introduced to Noah and all that happened in the life of Noah. But uh, we're told at the outset that Noah is someone who walked with God. And that word walk, I think is a really helpful word for us to think through. Because it's a word that has movement in it. And it has life in it. There's an activity in that, that word walk. And I think it's helpful for us to think of that in terms of our, our Christian life and our, our testimony. If you're a Christian here tonight, you have a testimony. Every Christian has a testimony. And the testimonies, they can vary in terms of the kind of levels of of drama as to how God broke into our lives. But every Christian should be able to say something about when God revealed himself to us, just as he revealed himself to Abraham. But when we're sharing our testimony and we speak about how God broke into our lives, it's important that we tell people that, but that's just the beginning because a testimony is a moving story because God is the God who calls us to walk with him not to stand still but to walk with him the disciples remember Jesus called them to be with him but Jesus was moving all over the place and they were walking with him and they could tell stories about all that Jesus did as they walked with him the times that were difficult where they were rebuked and the times where there was amazing things that happened. Seas were stilled and demons were cast out and uh, those who were sick were healed. But the disciples, uh, they're walking with Jesus. And we see Abram here in these very early years and he is, he's called to walk before God. So we should ask the question of ourselves as we uh, look into the mirror of God's word. Are we walking with the Lord? Are we walking with the Lord, not standing still, because we can't stand still. The second we start standing still is, is actually the second we start moving back, because Jesus is walking on. So are we walking with, with God? What does it mean if we dig a little more? Well, it means, uh, looking at verse 1 there, it means to live our lives before God. Walk before me, says the Lord. And when we're walking uh, our and living uh, before God, uh, we have that consciousness that God is, is with us. And everything that we do, and everything that we say, and even everything that we think, is out there in the open before the Lord. You know, there are things that we can, that we can hide from each other. You don't know what I'm thinking about you, and I don't know what you're thinking about me. That's not out there in the open. But everything about us, in terms of what we say, what we do, what we think, it's, it's out there before God. And, and we're called to live our lives walking consciously before God.
God. So to walk with God is to, is to, to live with that conscious awareness uh, that we are in his presence uh, all the time. And that transforms the way that we live. I think we'd all agree that one of the, one of the most unattractive uh, and damaging things to the Christian cause is, is hypocrisy. How many times do we hear people say, I'm not going to church because this person in church, they did this and they, they said this and then they did another thing and they, they said this and, and then they're a completely different witness in, in another company. And hypocrisy is something that is very unattractive. Uh, when we say one thing, when we behave in a righteous way, when we're with a certain group of people, but then we're completely different when we're out of their company, then that's a damaging thing. And it shouldn't happen. I know it does happen. I know all of us have to confess that we are guilty of, of this at different degrees. But if we were to live, if we were to walk before God with that conscious awareness of his presence, we would be far less hypocritical. If we were to remember constantly that we are in the presence of God and that everything that we do and everything that we say, everything that we are, it is out there before him, then our lives would look probably quite a lot different. I mean, think about a, a very low-key example. Think about driving in the car. How many of us, in the middle of summer, when we're trying to move with some purpose between here and Kailas or Leverborough or Stornoway or whatever, and uh, we're, we're making decent pace, and then we look ahead and we can see one camper van, two camper vans, three camper vans, a team of cyclists and six cars up ahead. Now, when we see that, when we encounter that, when we're trying to negotiate past these vehicles and they're not being any help at all to us, when we're on our own, Maybe this is just my confession, but when we're on our own, we tend to rant and rave and rage in the car. Because we're trying to get somewhere and we can't get there and no one will let us pass. And this guy can't drive and what's he doing on the road? And they've obviously just hired that camper van because they can't reverse into that passing place. And we're furious and we're ranting and raving in the car. But if we have a passenger sitting beside us, we're different. We might say, well, it's annoying. It's a bit trying these camper vans, isn't it? That's as far as we go. No ranting, no raving, no raging. Because somebody's there and they're watching us. But the truth is, God is with us. You know, whatever I am, whatever I'm driving, whatever I encounter on these single track roads, uh, God is with me, even in the car. And he hears what I say. He can scan what I'm thinking. He sees all my actions and reactions. And, and so we're called to live our lives with that that conscious awareness that everything that we are, everything that we do, it's out, it's out there before him. You know, that's what it means uh, to walk with the Lord. Our whole lives are to be lived before him. And Abram was, was called to live that way, to be, to be walking with the Lord. And it's a theme you can go and explore when you get home yourselves. Uh, I'll give you just a few texts. You can, you can glance at it, at, at how this how this picture of walking is to shape the way that we live. Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit. Ephesians 5.2, walk in the way of love. 1 John uh, 1.17, walk in the light. 2 John 1.4, walk in the truth. 2 John 1.6, walk in obedience. Revelation 3.4, walk with me. 
says Jesus. So we're to walk with the Lord. Abram was walking with the Lord. He was waiting for the Lord. And the third thing here is he's listening to the Lord. Verse 3. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. That's the first prophecy in the life of Abraham. Of the fact that Jesus is coming. The king of kings. I will establish my my covenant as an everlasting covenant. Between me and you and your descendants after you. For the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now are an alien. I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. And as God speaks, Abraham is listening. And I think there's, there's something here that we can, that we can note uh, of help uh, as God speaks. Notice that uh, in verse 3, Abram fell face down. So why was that? When God starts to speak, Abram doesn't just carry on doing what he's doing. He falls face down. And the reason for that was because of that great reverence that he had for God. This was El Shaddai, who was appearing to him uh, and speaking with him. This is God Almighty. This is not a co-equal of Abraham. This is not someone he can, he can just look alongside. This is not uh, someone who is a servant of Abraham that he can shout orders to. But this is one who is, who is holy and exalted over Abraham. So in reverence, Abraham fell face down. The other benefit of being face down is that Abram was not distracted by, by everyone and everything around him. His eyes, as he listens to God, face down, his eyes are off the world. He's listening to the Lord. He's giving the Lord his full, reverent attention. Not one do we see, time do we see in these verses that, that Abram uh, checks his phone. He doesn't reach for an iPad. He doesn't pull out the newspaper. He's face down. And I think we're taught... Uh, hear how to listen to the Lord as we look at this this picture not that we necessarily are to fall face down physically but when we open our Bibles we're to remember this is how God speaks to us this is not just a a newspaper this is not just a, a an app that you can that you can scroll through on your phone this is God's word God revealed himself to Abram and the The way that God revealed himself to Abraham was by speaking to him. He didn't see anything at this point. He heard the voice of God. And every time we open the Bible, uh, we are to have that sense of expectation. God is going to speak. So there should be a reverence about how we listen. And when we open our our Bibles, uh, we should be attentive. Practical things. Let's not have the TV on in the background in the same room. Let's not check our phone six times while we try and get through our morning devotions. We need to get away from the the noise of this world if we are to hear the voice of God. And Abram, at this point in his life, and at every point, but especially at this point, he needed to hear God speak. He needed to, to meet with El Shaddai. 
And as God spoke to Abraham, uh, he confirmed his promise to him. He even changed his name from, from Abraham to Abraham, which means the father of a multitude. And as Abraham listens to the Lord, he's given assurance. His, his faith increases. Faith comes, remember, by hearing, we're told. And Abraham, as he listens to the Lord, he's given strength to keep on keeping on. And the same applies for us. If we are going to be those who remain faithful, if we are going to keep on keeping on, if we are going to be those who, who receive and who hold on to that assurance that we are God's children, that we are saved, if we are going to know God's sovereign power in our lives and over our lives, we need to be in the Bible. Very, very simple. I know I haven't told you anything you don't know, but I need to keep hearing this over and over again. Abraham needed to keep hearing this over and over again. And so I'm trusting we all do. We need to be in the Bible. We need to be listening to the Lord. We need to be walking with the Lord. And we need to be waiting for, we're trusting in the Lord. And that's where we'll finish tonight. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that in your word you speak to us. There is power in your word. Life-changing power. And we ask that you would help us to be those who are disciplined. Uh, to take time each day. To, in our hearts at least, fall face down before you. Listening to your voice. Seeking that strength that enables us to keep hold of your promises and keep on keeping on. We thank you that as we track with Abraham in his life, uh, he does keep on. We know that his life at times faced many challenges. We know that at times uh, he fell, he sinned, he went off track. But we thank you that you're the God who is patient with us. You're the one who takes hold of us. And you're the one uh, who gives us the strength as we look to you and shows us your grace as we keep turning back to you. So help us, we pray, to learn these lessons from uh, so many years ago, a different age, a different world in many respects. But in other ways, we know that in terms of these eternal truths, these are things that never change. Your word never changes. So help us, we pray, uh, to be trusting uh, in your word, keeping hold of your promises. And we thank you that as we fast forward from the life of Abraham, we see that every promise that was given to him is fulfilled, uh, is met in and through the Lord Jesus, our Saviour. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.